Stay tuned to SAFM. Coming up, social conversations. Let's welcome our A-team guest, Michael Atkins, who's an electoral expert. Michael, thank you very much for joining us once again. Good evening. Good, good evening. So when we last spoke about this uh, particular um, electoral amendment bill, it seemed that we were still a long way to getting common ground and actually having it passed. Where are we currently? Well, the National Assembly has approved the bill. It will go now at the National Council of Provinces. And uh, I don't think anybody at the moment expects them to change anything significant. Uh, when they approve it, it would go to the president for signing, which the original de- the deadline was set at December the 10th. So this, the, the fact that the National Assembly has passed this particular electoral amendment bill, um, despite the fact that there's been a lot of pushback from opposition parties, does it mean that nothing can be done? Uh, these opposition parties cannot um, go uh, the legal route and ask for it to be uh, re-looked at? Or does this National Assembly passing mean that it is cast in stone, therefore the president's the signature is all that we need now? Um, largely, that is true. Nothing much is likely to change. It can be challenged legally after the president signs it if anybody were to then take it to the constitutional court to challenge the constitutionality. I think the key thing is that a lot of the civil society organizations objecting are not saying they don't like the bill. They're saying the bill has fundamental faults uh, that results in an unfair election. So uh, th- that's why there is this clamour. It's not just, oh gosh, we don't like what Parliament is doing. So it's not about the fact that it's it's the bill, but it's some of the issues within the bill. Can these still be changed? Can they be amended or is it too late? I mean, the public participation process um, has, has closed now. And um, I mean, I don't know if it could be extended before the president signs. There will be. There is actually a fresh uh, period of uh, public submissions for the National, uh, National Council of Provinces. That's up until the 8th of November. And although submissions are there and although the National Council of Provinces can make changes, the underlying problems were actually set before the bill was drafted. The electoral system selected by the minister over a year ago was one which has problems that nobody anticipated at the time. So actually, we're in a position where these faults cannot be ironed out and rectified in time for the 2024 election. We, we have quite a, a difficult situation on our hands. Let's go through some of these faults. I, I know the last time we, you did highlight on mm. them, but I think it would be befitting mm. for us to refresh our memories as to what are these faults that are, are seemingly going to make it difficult for other candidates to uh, go independently. Sure. Look, the basic fault is that independent candidates who are individuals are on the same ballot paper as parties, where there are party lists. And that creates quite a number of sort of uh, consequences. So one example for independent candidates, for the National Assembly, 
they can contest only in the regions, which are the provinces. But because there are only 200 seats available for the total number of votes, the number of votes an independent candidate requires for the National Assembly is nearly double what a party requires to get a seat in the National Assembly. So that's immediately an unfair barrier, and there aren't easy ways around that problem. Then what happens is if you are a voter and you vote for an independent candidate, and if many more people vote for that candidate, let's say 200,000 people vote for one candidate, that's only one seat. So basically, three-quarters or four-fifths of those votes are effectively discarded, or it's the same as distributing them among the parties. And what that means is if you vote for an independent candidate, a fraction of your vote will count towards one of the larger parties. And that is going to be challenged on the grounds of it's an unfair election. Uh, you know, we have this one man, one vote, but now the votes are not of equal worth. And this is a, a criticism that Vali Musa has highlighted. And he chaired the, the panel that made the recommendations to the minister concerning the possible electoral systems. Now, in terms of the public participation, right, I know the initial ones, you're saying there's a fresh one that's come out and we can now uh, go and comment on it. But the initial ones didn't have so much participation. Uh, Comments uh, rounded around 258 uh, that were submitted, of which um, 254 were email submissions and three were hand-delivered submission and 13 were substantive submissions, so emails and uh, encompassing over 100 pages of input were received that included three physically hand-delivered submissions Mm. from civil society. What would be the correct number now, and how can we all participate in it? Because, I mean, 258 is is, is not a huge number. I I don't uh, sort of, in a sense, measure the number of submissions. Mm. It's... In this case, it is a matter of the quality and the analysis that is in those submissions, because very few people actually understand the seat allocation processes in the bill. For example, if there is a vacancy, if an independent candidate were to drop out, it is a very high probability that that seat will be filled by the largest party because of the calculation mechanism. Now, very few people are going to know how those work. So this is not a topic where I would expect lots of people to really understand the technicalities and lots of people to submit. The question is, what is the logic? What is the reasoning of the submissions? And has that been taken into account properly? So... There's still a lot of pushback, right? And it seems that uh, there could possibly, uh, from some parties and individuals, be some legal action around this. And uh, I don't know, will will the courts 
consider re-looking at this particular one. I mean, the likes of Mandisa uh, Mashiro, who's the new nation, new nation movement president, uh, was saying that this uh, particular uh, passing of the amendment bill in parliament left them with great disappointment because they knew that the constitution of our country must be upheld by all citizens. Um, that's what she says, and she feels that this one doesn't. So there could be a push to the courts um, would would this hold in in court, or will the courts throw it out? I'm fairly sure that the constitutional court will rule that this bill, or it's, once it's passed as an act, is unconstitutional, because in effect it creates elections that are unfair. There is also a requirement in the constitution that our electoral system is, in general proportional representation and it is possible to show how the recalculations when there are excess votes or seats for independence those recalculations change the proportionality of the outcome and it effectively gives a bonus seats to the largest parties so i'm reasonably confident that a constitutional court challenge as tough as it will be uh, will actually succeed which then gives us a problem down the line. But I I don't see this bill remaining uh, unchallenged. So the Con Court would probably use um, one of the Bill of Rights when looking at this, uh, should um, they uh, they actually take it to the Con Court. Uh, but the Bill of Rights that says everyone is equal before the law and has the right to equal protection and benefits of the law. And equal equality includes, I mean, the full and equal enjoyment of all rights and freedoms. And when you consider this particular um, right, right, in our Constitution, and you consider what this electoral uh, amendment bill calls for, it it shows that there will be huge disparities, and I don't think South Africans should be keeping quiet about it. Michael, we're losing you there. I I don't know if it's your line. Okay, Michael, we lost uh, you a bit there. Please do repeat yourself. Yes. Because there are technicalities and numbers involved, and uh, the seat allocation processes are quite complicated anyway, it's, it's been difficult for people to appreciate the impact. And even the drafters of the bill and those who designed the system did not anticipate the consequences of this. So it, it's just a, a very unusual situation. There was this attempt to have this simple change to our electoral system, but it had a whole lot of results that, that nobody was predicting. Now, with the public participation, I know you say that uh, it's not really the numbers. I mean, we could have a million people going in and, and participating, but it's obviously not going to make much of a difference, if I may put it that way. But the fact that we don't have that much participation, is it because South Africans are ill-informed around this particular bill? So do we need more, um, as the electorate, do we need more education around such uh, factors and around such bills or are South Africans just disinterested? Look, there hasn't been a lot of coverage of this uh, over the months. The last three or four weeks there has been a great deal of media coverage and, and that's why it's so great to have these conversations. The, I think there is a lot more awareness now. There are, you're seeing editorials written. There's a lot more comment 
it's been very difficult up to now to get people particularly interested. And in, in general, people tend to assume, oh, well, the experts will get that stuff right. And in this case, it's one has to say the experts haven't got it right. And it has taken a lot of effort. I don't, in a sense, blame the public up till now because, you know, they're, they're technical matters. You, you just expect elections to work. Very few people actually pay attention to the details. So the, the lack of awareness hasn't surprised me. It's just a great thing now that the media is uh, shining a spotlight on it at the moment. And hopefully there will be more interest uh, going forward. Okay, so uh, the lack of awareness is not surprising, yes, but it, for me it's shocking that we as the electorate, the people who are supposed to go out and vote, are not as educated. Whose onus is it for us to understand such and for us to to know about such amendment bills and, and everything else that pertains to our national and local elections, especially because we are going to uh, the voting polls in a couple of months. Certainly, and as somebody who's been involved in elections, uh, I've looked at the accuracy of election results in the past. It has been very difficult to get people interested in those details. And I agree with you. I would be delighted to see more people uh, paying a, a closer interest. And I'm hoping that this particular bill and the current sort of wave of, of uh, news and opposition to it will actually get people talking more about elections and that our participation in a democracy is not just casting our vote, but it's actually taking an active interest in the system and how it works and, and having that sort of conversation about what kind of elections we should be having. And I think we do need, um, I mean, someone to step in and uh, take the baton of uh, teaching South Africans about such things because it's only fair for us uh, to vote based on knowledge and not vote based on sentiment and also to understand what our votes mean um, for those who are looking at going independent. Um, they should understand what it means, should this particular bill be passed. But also, um, in order for it not to be passed, if they don't want it to be passed, we should also understand what we need to do. Thank you very much, Michael, for joining us this evening. Please give us your closing comments. Yes, thank you. It's going to be a difficult road ahead because we can't... The court has already said that independents have to be able to stand. But the method chosen to allow them, in, in our view, is not going to work. But there isn't time to put in the alternate system, which is like constituencies, you know, like our local government election. So for 2024, we actually have a very difficult problem to unpick how we hold a fair election in 2024, but also accommodating the rights of independent candidates. And... There, there are no easy answers to that question at the moment. Mm. Well, thank you for joining us. And I think we'll keep uh, interacting uh, between now and those elections, Michael, because, yeah, if this platform can serve as an education platform for South Africans, it's going to at least have done something worthwhile. We appreciate your time. Thank you.